Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love reliving old pit football memories and hate Josh Heupel, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. Fellas, we're back. Squid, you're still on the 18th green at Quicksilver, getting ready for Sunday's outing. Honestly, by the time we release this episode, it'll probably be over, so we'll just pretend that you stayed there after the outing. Yeah, I'm a part-time groundskeeper here. Got to make sure it's in tip-top shape for the outing. Squid burrowed a hole beneath a tree, and he's just living in it. We're here, and we're going to do something a little new today, something we've never tried here on the Loyal Sun Show. It's July. We're about a month and a week out from the beginning of college football. And to be honest, there's not much going on in the world of pit athletics right now. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to put out a premium product for our pit fans and our listeners. So today, the very first, you are here and you are part of the very first Loyal Suns Rewind. That's right. The very first Loyal Suns Rewind. And today, we'll be reliving the historic upset over number 15, UCF. Pitt, UCF 2019, the Pitt Special. And we're reliving it today on this episode. If we can pick up from there, I think that's... Yeah, I'll just say what I was about to say whenever we started speaking at the same time. Yeah, we asked on Twitter about a week ago which pit game we should rewind, look back at, and dissect. There are a lot of great answers. There were some that you would obviously expect, the Clemson, Penn State, the UCF. Uh, there are also some sickos who wanted us to relive some losses. Uh, we'll see how this one goes. Reliving a loss might be kind of fun now that it's like a decade ago. So... Thank you for the suggestions. We will keep those all in our back pocket, but we got to start with the most special win in recent memory. Now, I think that might be a topic for debate, but it, it definitely sticks out for a number of reasons. Uh, the back of the play on the word special, get it? Fit special, special. That went completely over my head. Um, but I love good wordplay. So thank you, John. But no, that, I mean, that game definitely sticks out, right? Um, ending. UCF's multi-year win streak, uh, one of Kenny's signature collegiate moments, blowing a, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, blowing a 21-point lead on a ranked team, them blowing a 10-point lead, and then us winning in the fight. Like, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, so to set the stage for you to see where we were at this point in the season, because this... I know the games can run together over the years, and you can remember just specifically this game. Oh, we beat number 15. It was the Pitt special. But to set the scene a little bit, Pitt was 1-2 and two coming into this game, this early season game. And Pitt's 1-2 and two coming off a heartbreaking loss at that school in the middle of the state. Uh, one of, not one of, Narduzzi's worst coaching decision of his career ended that game. Probably one of the, most painful losses of the Narduzzi era uh, when he elected to kick the ball on fourth and one 
in a game that they still needed a touchdown either way. Um, and if we ever do a rewatch of that game, I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but uh, we can discuss that whole. No, I'll debacle. stop you right there. We will not be rewatching that game. And we don't have to talk about the kicking debacle. We all know Narduzzi's brain stopped working for a minute. We've moved on. It's all good. Yeah, he forgot to do math and Narduzzi's stock, I don't know if it was at the all time low. But it, was it was all time low. Pretty low. down there. It was really bad. We were, I'm going to say this moment, we started off the year with a bad loss to Virginia. Uh, people left the stadium like, this is a, another terrible year. Uh, people were questioning if Kenny Pickett was it. We weren't, but there were people questioning that. The offense looked bad. First uh, year of the Mark Whipple offense. Yeah, and week two, unimpressive win over the Ohio Bobcats. Literally, the, at the game, there was like three things that happened. It might be the most boring rewind we could possibly do. And then the Penn State game. So we're facing down a team that hasn't lost in three calendar years. Might be one and three. Very well could be one and three. Probably will be one and three is what most people are thinking. That Ohio game was the second worst sporting event I've ever attended in my entire life. What was uh, number one? A, t- a T-ball game? Uh, no, it was uh, we were playing a team from the state and it rained. And it uh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Why'd you, why, why the fuck did you ask? Anyway. Uh, yeah, so so things were looking dire for Pat Narduzzi and uh, the Pitt football team. Quite the opposite for Josh Heupel's UCF Golden Knights. Yeah, they were coming off a... Is this the year they were coming off claiming a national championship? Or were, were we two years removed from that? It was the year prior. It was the year prior. Okay. So the McKenzie defending Milton. national champions were at Heinz Field. Mackenzie Milton was the question mark. He was out. So Dylan Gabriel was this new quarterback. No one knew if he was the guy yet. But was this before or after Mackenzie Milton damn near got his entire leg ripped off in a game? Yeah, he was on the sideline in street clothes. Probably something we should have looked up uh, before, but, but go ahead. But they still had their insane offense and their receivers were all Jaimongo, like the worst case scenario for a team facing the Narduzzi. Like press all the corners. Like everyone is six four and fast. That's the one thing I remembered. Yeah, Gabe Davis, kind of good. Mm-hmm. You know he's kind of good because he's very good in the NFL. Yeah. So all that to be said. Looking at this game, going into one and two, Squid, I think you mentioned like more than likely going to be one and three. I don't think we came into that game like, oh, this is a must win for Pitt. It was like, we're going to be one and three after this week. We are staring down the barrel of like not being bull eligible. Do you remember what you guys were doing this day? Yeah, actually. um, So I was living in Columbus still. uh, And... I, like you guys, had this chalked up as a loss. I was like, okay, try not to lose by 100 to UCF. And then we have Delaware, Duke, and Syracuse behind them. And we can scratch back up to 500. Uh, So what I did was I brought my personal phone and my work phone to a, a day party with me so that I could like have a fully charged phone and watch the game on my work phone 
little trick right I move. used to pull. Yeah, right. So I was keeping an eye on it. Like I had the game playing in my pocket. Um, and then I was having no fun at the day party. So I snuck off to this uh the living room of the people hosting us. And because I, I saw Pitt had like jumped out to a little bit of a hot start. So I I burrowed away at this house party to the living room. Um, and they were the only people maybe on the planet under the age of 25 with cable. Like they had they had the full direct TV package. So I was able to uh to get the game. I mean it was on ABC, but I just, like the rarity of clicking yeah. through 600 channels on a 22 year old's TV uh, still sticks out to me. Right. Who has cable anymore? Right. Yeah, I was at the game. I was in the student section. Yeah, this was a uh, my buddy's bachelor party weekend. They all came into Pittsburgh, so naturally we tailgated the pit game, went to the game, and we were for some reason sitting in like the very top of the upper deck. I, I don't know why we didn't feel like moving down, but we just stayed up there. We had like a whole row to ourselves. And yeah, I remember the game. The night the night was a fun one. But we'll get to that later. All right. Well, I think we've set the scene well enough. Any anything else? Any anything else should be in people's heads going into this? Just know that things were not good. Things were not good. We were probably laughing about saying, like, we're going to beat this team. And uh, what do you know? So, ball kicks off. Before the ball kicks off, even, there was a chance of overrated echoing throughout Heinz Field. Probably in the parking lot, people were chanting overrated. And I don't know why. And I think this game was the start of, like, a weird rivalry between Pitt fans and UCF fans. Because UCF fans hate Pitt fans now because I think Pitt has just bragged about this win for so long. Oh, one thing we did forget on second scene here. UCF beat the piss out of Pitt the season before. Yeah. Important context. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was one that was so bad. I remember turning it off in like the second quarter and not even thinking about checking the rest of the game. I think the highlight of that game for Pitt was like a... Raphael Arujo loves punt return touchdown. I think part of the reason why UCF fans hated Pitt was because that game, there were several Pitt players who, not going to sugarcoat it, they faked injuries to stop the tempo. There were a few D linemen that did the old look in the sideline after you got shot. Yeah. And, and, uh, and how sick of Pitt players doing that do you think Josh Heupel is? Because there was a fair share of that the last two years against Tennessee as well. Fuck. Thunder you're talking about. So I, I'm laughing because I don't specifically remember the overrated chance myself, but uh, they do reference it on the broadcast. I was laughing because it was 1335 left in the first quarter and they just go and chance of overrated coming through the crowd here at Heinz field. So that was uh, that, that gave me a chuckle right off the bat. So the next drive, the f- very first defensive possession, uh, I'm sorry, not the first defensive possession. In the first quarter, there was a defensive possession where Phil Campbell gets an interception and 
what do you know? That was the first pit turnover from the defense of the season. It was the fourth game of the season, and that was the first turnover forced by the defense to that point. Things have changed a little bit. That that's that's really surprising for me to hear. Chalk that up in the um kind of a kind of a relic of that era of pit. I know it was only four years ago, but um I like to view Pitt in the pre-ACC championship and post-2021 lenses. Um, chalk that one up as a relic of a bygone era. I think yeah, this was, was the point where Pitt had a lot of good players, but every they're pretty good in all the statistical categories, like sacks, yards allowed. Uh, they would never get turnovers, so it, they just wouldn't turn the ball over. Uh, it's hard to win when you don't turn the ball over. That was like a staple in the Narduzzi press conference. And that was probably around the time they started doing the turnover dunk, too. Maybe some extra motivation to get the ball. I just remember watching, re-watching the game that this was like a prototypical game. Like it, referencing the the turnover thing. This was like one of those games where you watch and you remember why everyone hated Narduzzi and hated Narduzzi's defense. Narduzzi's defense in quotation marks because this was like we talked about Gabe Davis. We talked about the big receivers, the deep balls. This was the type of game where I guarantee every single person in the stands was screaming, Narduzzi, back him up, back him up, but they're still playing press coverage when you're up. And we get to that, but when you're up 21 nothing in the first half against the 15th ranked team in the country. Yeah, I mean, Pitt ended the game with 12 tackles for loss, and they probably gave up 12 plays of 25 or more yards, like standard issue. Before we get to the big plays, let's talk about how this was like maybe the best start in Pitt football history. Like, I feel like we don't get off to these big of starts, even when we play like Delaware, Villanova, like the FCS teams. It's always a little bit slow out of the gate against UCF. Hottest start I can remember. Force a three and out in the first possession, march down and drive. Then you get the interception and the block punt. Couldn't chalk it up any better. 21 nothing after the first 21 minutes of play. There, I agree with you, John. Maybe the hottest start we've ever had. Two games since then have reminded me of this game. There was UNC in 2021 and Tennessee last year. Both games where we just fired out of a cannon at the first whistle and we we're all standing there like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. What what's going on? What 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 the hell's going on? And you know what all three of those games have in common? Two went to overtime and one came down to like the last second. <laughs> we blew all three leads. We were losing in each of those games. So so. Forgive me if I'm not going to complain about uh, Narduzzi's methodical strangle the opponent to death approach. Well, this is what made me the most mad about this game. It reminded me of the early Mark Whipple days. Um, the skill position guys, not very good. Bad. They, they had their moments, but they weren't very good. And we just force fed running backs in the flat and screen passes so much. I got through like the first quarter. I'm like, I wish I counted how many screen passes we did this game because I'm sure it was about 10. And that doesn't include like the 
running back wheels to AJ Davis that we attempted. Yeah. I mean, one of my notes here was, uh, the second touchdown pit scored, it was a bubble screen on the two yard line to Maurice French. He caught the ball on the five, luckily made a man miss and got in. But that was the play that reminded me of like, oh, yeah, we wanted Whipple's head because he was running bubble screens on the goal line. Infuriating. So, yeah, Pitt went up 14 nothing with the Mo French bubble screen. Uh, then there was a block punt return for a touchdown. Fellas, do you remember? So this was the first big play. Actually, I think Aaron Matthews hurdle was before this. So this was his second huge play of the game. He blocks the punt. Do you remember the name of the guy who picked up the punt and ran it back for a touchdown? Wendell Davis. Wendell Davis. That's a name you probably haven't heard in a while. I think he ended up where? Northwestern? He ended up at Northwestern and like, first of all, my condolences. Second of all, uh, I don't think he played like more than special teams after well, he, he was out. a guy that I don't know if he opted out, quit the team, got kicked off, but it was after that one loss to Miami, he was just like, Yeah, I'm done and left the program. But there was some hope for him early on. He played, he had some moments, so it was a little bit of a loss at the time, and then he just never played again, and we were fine. Yeah, he housed a blocked punt against UCF. That got to count for something, right? He earned a scholarship. Fast (laughs) forward after that drive. So Pitt's defense forces uh, only allows UCF to go 12 yards. They punt it again. Pitt gets the ball back on offense. And this is where the wheels start to come off. Third play of this drive. Ball's handed off to A.J. Davis. And... He fumbles. A lot to unpack here. Um, first off, I think everyone watching, every Pitt fan collectively watching the game was like, oh, yep, here it is. Okay. I, things were going way too well. Here it goes. Also, I want to point out the state of the running back room at this point in time for Pitt and also just like for like three years at this point in time. Yeah. At this point, it's A.J. Davis, Vincent Davis, and Todd Sibley. And I feel like that was the stable of backs for like three years. And the whole time, we were waiting for one of them to be decent. And yeah, that that just didn't come to fruition. Well, this was the game where Valique Carter was basically the number two running back. He had a lot of touches right. in the past game and even in the run game. Uh, they didn't even go to Vincent Davis all that much until later in the game. Uh that was the one thing Pitt was up at the half still. But when you look at that AJ Davis fumble, we had the ball. Uh, maybe we drive down the score. We're up 28, nothing. Maybe we just burn some more clock than punt. And we're still up 21, nothing. Uh, but that was a big turning point. We were up at the half, but it could have been a lot more. And with the team like UCF, everyone was like, well, would have liked a little bit more cushion here. Yeah. Uh, something about, running AJ Davis on three consecutive uh, wildcat draws while trying to protect a lead was um, a relic of the times. Yeah, it's it was funny because AJ Davis was a four star. I want to say a normal American out of high school. 
a huge get for the program. It was a big deal when he committed to Pitt. And last year, he was like splitting carries at Florida A&M. So, skills approved. Recruiting rankings ain't everything. Uh, but like like you said, Squid, we went into half with a lead, 21-10. Before we Pitt. get there, I, I want to mention someone else I was very mad at. Alex Kessman. I think Narduzzi's stock was at an all-time low. Alex Kessman's was definitely at an all-time low. Coming off of that missed field the week before, he misses another chip shot in the first half. And he'll miss another one later on. So I was going to say he misses another one in the second half. Yeah, this I was probably all-time being... low stock for Kessman. Yeah. yeah, I remember being in the upper deck of the stadium, just being like, we could be up right now, but our could be up a lot more now if it wasn't for a stupid kicker. It's one of those games. I'm sure that's all you said. That so, was the PG version of what you said. I was very, very livid. I can recall that. The words can't confirm or deny what they were. Yeah, we we like Kessman now, so we're we're gonna, you know, temper what we say or what repeating we what we say. did say that day. Yeah. But uh okay, so so just to level up, where where are we at this point of the game? What is the score? What are you guys doing? What are we feeling? So let's just go to halftime. Twenty one to ten. Pits up eleven. Like like Squid said, I think we're like, oh yeah, we would have taken this going into it, but I also think we're sitting there at halftime like Yeah, Pitt's well on their way to blowing this game. Yeah, I think a big point was at the end of the half, UCF went like 90 yards in a minute. So they had all the momentum. We were up, but they had all the momentum. And it was just a matter of, can Pitt hold on? Can we score just enough points? Little do we know the avalanche that was coming ahead. I don't think any of ourselves, any of us deluded ourselves into thinking like, Oh, Pitt can just hit the gas in the second half, like maintain the lead, pull away, whatever. Like we knew that we were into in for a photo finish. Yeah. So fast forward here, Pitt goes out, has to punt after five plays. The very next drive, sixty-five yards to Gabe Davis. Uh, five-play drive, eighty-seven yards. Gabe Davis touchdown. All right, that looked a little too easy. So. At this point, I want to point out the very interesting uh, trajectory of Jason Pinnock's day. Jason Pinnock had one of the most freak athletic interceptions I had ever seen. And was it the first quarter? It was before the um, it was before the blocked punt for a touchdown. So it, it yep, must that was the first been, quarter. Yeah, first quarter. Uh, like like one handed reaching over his head yanks it down, pulls it to his side, um, just a freak play. couple drives later, he he broke up a pass in the end zone intended for Gabe Davis, came up pulling his, holding onto his hamstring. And from that point forward, he got cooked like a Christmas goose. In my notes, I put, it looked like Pinnock ran 10 miles this game, and he got hurt three times. They just kept running him deep, and I felt bad for him. He was clearly not 100%, but uh, Pitt didn't have that much depth at corner. Like That was Marquez Williams' freshman year, and he was thrown into action just to get Pinnock a breather. So, yeah, I was counting how many times he got hurt because 
happened a few times. Yeah, just uh, what what started incredibly for Jason Pinnock quickly became an absolute nightmare of a day. Yeah. Yeah, and in my notes here, I said this went from there's no way we can blow this to, oh my God, we're going to lose in a matter of like one minute. Well, if if we want to talk time here, uh, Pitt got the ball back, had five plays, two minutes and 45 seconds go by, and Pitt punts the ball to Otis Anderson, and he houses an 87-yard punt return. On one of the better punt return touchdowns you will see in college football. It was a pretty absurd play. Um, but at this point, I think the lead has now been blown. It's 24-21, and I think we've all collectively decided that Pitt is going to lose this game. Was there Easily. any hope at this point? No. If there was any hope, was it zapped when Pitt went three and out on on the following possession? And then what happened? And then it took UCF five plays to go 68 yards and score another touchdown. And that was the third time seconds. Jason Pinnock got beat and hurt. So we're now down 10 and oh, it gets worse. Our quarterback gets hurt. I, I, so, so freeze again here. Where are we? 31 21, just over six minutes left in the third quarter. We're down 10 and we've seen Kenny get shaken up. Um, actually, I think Kenny gets shaken up on this next drive when, so this was the answer, right? So we're down 10. And it's like, you need to put points on the board. So um, just quick play-by-play here. Kenny Pickett passed the Mo French seven yards. Uh, UCF face mask, 15 yards. Kenny Pickett passed the Mo French. Kenny Pickett runs for 11 yards, takes a shot, personal foul, and he's down for the count, we think. Kenny's down, and it's like, oh, well, there was any momentum of this drive. So at this point... I'm still watching the game alone in a big ass living room with a party going on outside. And my buddy walks in and he's had a few and just starts bullying me about pit football. Just like they are trash. They are done. Put the goddamn Ohio state game on. Like, give me the remote. You're done. And I had to, I had to like, I no, I, I fought it off of him. I was like, I I found the only TV in the goddamn house so I could watch my pit game. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I Ohio State won that day by like six thousand. Yeah, I saw that in the full game broadcast. They cut to it and it's like, yeah, Garrett Wilson caught his like fifth touchdown. Yeah, so I, I wasn't giving up yet. Morale was low at this point. We were down 10, blew a 21 point lead. Kenny was out, but we were hanging in there. In comes Nick Patty. In comes Nick Patty. So the very next play after Kenny gets shaken up, it's a Velik Carter two-yard run to the UCF six. And then here comes Nick Patty. Looks like he's dead to rights. Oh, wait. No, he's not. Scrambles left. Looks off a defensive back and hits who other than Dontavious Butler Jenkins. For a six-yard touchdown. And this, I would like to start giving out awards at this point. For all the listeners at home, we have a list of awards we'd like to give out. Uh, This was my award for... um, I forgot that guy exists award. 
Dontavious Butler Jenkins. He had a very cool name. Yes. I was very high on him in coming as a freshman. I thought this would get brought up um, because I have a bullet point that is Dontavious Butler Jenkins? Question mark? Yeah. So he was actually a guy with a pretty like promising future, or at least people in the pit sphere thought he could be like one of the next wide receivers up. Um, unfortunately suffered a career ending injury. I believe it was during this season. Um, I looked it up because I was curious. I was like, was this the last game he ever played at Pitt? And he did have a catch about a month later against Duke one catch for 13 yards. Nice. But he finished the season with six catches for 60 yards, this touchdown. And that was it. So this is a guy whose career was cut short. Long-term, looking at this long-term, I mean, how how often were we like, yeah, Kenny could use another weapon. Kenny could use another receiver. Watching this game again, Kenny goes the Butler Jenkins a good bit. It doesn't really result in much. It usually ends up in him just uh, getting dragged down by a UCF defender, but the refs kept their flags in the pocket that day. Um, they, but they did. A good bit of that. Yeah, we can get to that too, but it seemed like he was supposed to be a part of this offense moving forward. And I mean, obviously like obvious thought is hate, hate that for him, that his career ended due to injury. But for us as pit fans hate that his career ended due, due to injury, because it seemed like he was going to be a pretty good player for us. Do you know what part summed up the pit receiver room the most during the broadcast? What the announcer Early in the first quarter after a Taysier Mack catch goes, yeah, and with Trey Tipton out, uh, they're going to rely on Taysier Mack a little bit more this game. I'm like, oh, yeah, Taysier, Trey Tipton uh, was like a number three receiver for like a, a hot minute nine years ago. Yeah, Taysier Mack in this game kind of reminded me of what I thought he was going to be. The week before this, he had like 11 for 150 against Penn State, and this game kind of confirmed what I thought I remembered was that he was the best receiver on this team. I think Mo French got a lot of the accolades and attention, but Taysier Mack was super talented as a receiver and unfortunately really couldn't stay healthy at Pitt. But I think he was one of the more talented receivers. I mean, we can rank them real quick. Other than Jordan Addison, who was Kenny Pickett's best receiver during his tenure? It was Taysier Mack. Maybe Jared Wayne. Oh, well, if we're thinking, then yes. Probably, probably Wayne, but uh, actually, I don't know, because Mac, Mac was ahead of him in that wide receiver rotation until he got hurt in 2021, and he and Kenny had developed a really mean back shoulder fade. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, th- those two are probably 2A and 2B, honestly, based on... Their, their performance with Kenny. So, um, Taysier Mac, big game here. And kind of kind of off track here. Where are we at? So, we just got the Nick Patty touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Can, can we talk about Nick Patty for just like two seconds? Yes. Is he the greatest spot reliever in sports history? I'd say it's him and Mariano Rivera. He would just, like, like even take 
wild pat or what did they what did they call the the wild cat with nick patty was it the wild pat Mm -hmm. yeah so he'd just come in he'd run for touchdowns give kenny a break he would i I just remember this consistent theme in his playing career where a quarterback would get hurt he would come in for one play throw an absolute dart back to the sideline and then obviously the bowl game last year was his uh, piece de resistance. Nick Patty is one of the biggest reasons why we won that game. If we don't score that drive, we're probably cooked. Uh, but he takes it into the fourth quarter, only down three. My first note from the fourth quarter is Kessman misses again. I'm pissed. <laughs> that is valid. That is fair. Your feelings are valid. So another missed field goal, I believe it was a 41-yarder. 41-yarder he misses. Should have tied the game. Missed one earlier. Should be up. So Pitt gets a stop on UCF the following drive. They get a Big one on fourth down, right? Fourth and two. Yeah, it was a fourth and two. And the defense comes up big. Kind of a theme of this game. The defense made some big-time stops despite... So in short yardage situ- situations, this defense was money. It just happened to be when Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis would run a go route. Jason Pinnock was just chasing him. That was the that was about the game plan we had going into that one. So Pick gets the stop and then proceeds to go three and out, three incompletions uh, by Kenny Pickett. Not going to go through each one of these, but I'd have to guess that one to zero of them were his fault and then the following drive UCF comes down hits a 28 yard field goal and Pitt gets the ball back with 436 left and then the drive happens before we get to the drive I think we should just talk about this defense and all the guys that are on it for a minute because, yes, they have a lot of big plays, but that bend but break defense kept us in it and was a big reason to why we were able to pull it off. A lot of sacks, a lot of dudes on this defense. A lot of well, dudes lot in the NFL. Dudes. A lot the, of dudes. The thing I love about watching this game is I can't believe how many guys on the field were still playing for Pitt like as of last year or yeah. are still playing for Pitt. Like John Morgan had a stand-up game. I, I remember thinking that this was the first game where I remember I was like, John Morgan's a beast. Because he had a couple TFLs. Mm-hmm. And this was when I was like, who is this, who's this number six dude? And this was the beginning of, yeah, every time that guy gets on the field, he makes a play. Same with yeah. Haba. This was a very big early Haba game. So the D-line mm-hmm. was wreaking havoc. And those linebackers, that was one of my favorite linebacker units with Kylan Johnson in the middle. Campbell and Bright on each outside. So so just to go through the, the defensive line, Deslin Alexander had a sack and a half. Uh, Pat Jones had a sack and a half. Uh, Eric Hallett had four tackles. Haba had a sack and two tackles for loss. Jalen Twyman, a sack and a tackle for loss. John Morgan, two tackles for loss. They finished six sacks and 12 tackles for loss. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and about half those guys were still playing last year. I saw Devin Devin Danielson was sprinting off the yeah. field. He's still on the team. 
it's pretty crazy. Like the, it seems like a completely different era of pit, but with, I guess with the COVID year now, you're going to, you're going to have examples of this, but this was literally 2019, 2020, 2021, 22, five seasons of football that we're, that we're spanning now, if you count this upcoming season. So now we talked about the front seven, the secondary has four guys in the NFL right now. Jason Pinnock, wouldn't have, Jackson, wouldn't have thought it watching this game. Damar <laughs> Hamlin and Damari Mathis. It Paris was, Ford. He's in the USFL. Yeah. He, he was also there. This game was such a classic Pat Narduzzi defense game where the defensive line played lights out. They the secondary the secondary. The secondary forced multiple turnovers. Um, yet we would just allow 40 yard bombs every other play. And it's that um, break, don't bend <laughs> defense that Narduzzi runs sometimes. It was so unbelievably frustrating pinning them back to a third and 20 because you had a Twyman tackle for loss, you had a Haba sack, and then they would complete the 50 yard bomb to Gabe Davis on third and 20. I think that's one of my favorite things about the Narduzzi defense. We'll spend the first three quarters, like calling in the fourth quarter, the defense will play lights out. And at the end of the day, you'll be like, huh, we only allowed three or seven points in the fourth quarter. Sounds like they figured it out, but you know what? We'll just yell at them for the full game next week. There were so many games like that. The Clemson game, the, the list goes on. I know in, Following weeks, so I was calling Penn, for a I set mean, against State. Syracuse and Duke. Yeah, I mean, this defense, there's, there is a story arc to be followed in all of these big wins and a lot of these big losses, and, and we could probably write a book on it, but God, if I don't want to. Let's talk about Kenny Pickett. Let's do it. So, as we said, UCF hits a 28-yard field goal to go up three. Uh, I'm sorry, to go up six. Gives Pitt the ball back with little over uh, four and a half minutes left. 12 plays, 79 yards. You guys want to guess what the first two plays of these drives, this drive was? Two drop passes or two handoffs to Vinny Davis? Ding, 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 ding. The, the second one. <laughs> Two handoffs to Vinny Davis, but they went for 16 yards. Hmm. So uh, may, maybe Mark Whipple knew what he was cooking up here. Uh, then a Kenny Pickett pass complete to Will Gregg. There's a name for you. That's got to be a non- nominee for your award. It's on there. It's okay. definitely on there. Yeah. Um, Kenny Pickett. Five-yard scramble, incomplete pass to Will Gregg. Now, this is one I had in my notes here. Kenny Pickett, incomplete pass to Nakia Griffin-Stewart. This was one of those plays. Kenny Pickett scrambles left. He sets his feet. He looks back, throws back across the field to an a slightly open but slightly covered Nakia Griffin-Stewart. Hits him in his hands, and the ball just deflects right up off his hands. And who did who did the announcers blame on that play? 
the announcer said that Pickett's fundamentals are getting away from him because he had a hurt shoulder and he left it too high. Correct. Said Pickett throws another high one, even though it hit him on both of his hands. Yeah, I mean, high relative to like the height of Nikia Griffin Stewart's body, like maybe it was at a little above eye level. But if you are a Division One tight end who's getting their school paid for, that that's one we count on you to catch. Uh, hell of a throw by Kenny. And this is just one of the many examples of the first four years of Kenny's career where we said, no, we promise you it's not his fault. We've been watching the games. This happens all the time. This was one of the best examples I saw from this game. Uh, there was also one earlier in the game. He hits Valit Carter over the middle of the field. Like, oh my God. Literally not anyone within a 10-yard radius of him. And the ball just bounces off his hands. Uh, like literally walks, inexplic- walks in from the 20. Yes, inexplicably drops it. Um, this game was kind of infuriating in that way just because it reminded me of, of all the times we were we were like psychotic people in, in straight jackets, banging our heads against the wall, trying to convince everyone like, no, Kenny Pickett is really good. I promise you. Do you know what else uh, reminded me of that whole phenomenon? His entire rookie season as an NFL quarterback. So happy we got to relive that. Thanks, Deontay Johnson. Hopefully year two goes a little smoother. Um, but okay, moving past that horrific drop by Nikia Griffin Stewart. Uh, so Pitt at this point, they get a UCF, they get UCF to drawn off sides, and that gets them the first down on the fourth and five. Very next play, 19 yards to Tasier Mack down to the 11. Once again, Tasier Mack was a stud. Uh, Kenny Pickett, four yard run. Kenny Pickett, incomplete pass to Tasier Mack. Kenny Pickett, Four-yard run to the UCF three. And And then what happens? And now it's fourth and two. Fellas, fourth down. We're a week removed from a Penn State game where Narduzzi decided to kick the field goal. I'm sure plenty of Yinzer dads in the the stands were getting their jokes off about, oh, Pat, just kick this one. But Mark Whipple had a little something up his sleeve. So... Being one week removed from that ridiculous decision, why didn't Mark Whipple pull out the pit special at Penn State? I like to think that it was implemented that week of practice. Like, in fact, I'd I'd be willing to, having no inside knowledge, guarantee it, that they went into practice, dude said, shit, guys, my bad, let's figure something out for the next time that happens. And Mark Whipple goes, Hey, d- did you watch the Super Bowl last year? Yeah. But here's the thing. I am almost positive. Aaron Matthews in like a post game presser says something about running this playing camp. Oh can, man. I, that makes do, me so upset that they had this in stock. We can do some research on that, but I'm almost certain that because well, let's just get to the play. So Kenny Pickett goes in motion. He walks to the front of the line. About 10 of us in the student section screaming, Philly, Philly. Ball snapped to A.J. Davis. He almost drops the ball. Aaron Matthews gets the ball on the reverse. 
And now, this is where I'm referencing what Aaron Matthews says in a post-game presser. I need to find the clip now because if it doesn't exist and I invented it in my head, that would suck. But he says that when they would run this play in camp, he almost always would just have to tuck it and get to the pylon. And that's how it would work. And that's how they would score. And you can see on the replay here, and if you're listening, have have an extra screen by you, pull up the pull up the play here. But he tucks the ball like he already had his mind made up that I'm just going to get to the pylon and score. But immediately, two UCF defenders just blow up the edge, and he untucks it, but, and in the split second, finds Kenny in the end zone. But the other thing those uh, two linebackers setting the edge did was completely ignore Kenny Pickett clearly trying to sneak out behind them. Yeah, yeah, I would go as far as saying this is probably the least clean successful Philly special ever ran because Pickett had to like weave between a couple of guys. He like shrugged off a guy and made like a falling slash diving um, catch. Almost jammed himself up a little bit. Yeah. Aaron Matt, no gloves I, also. I'd actually go as far to say this is the worst run successful trick play ever yeah it basically went wrong at every point but obviously kenny made a play and yeah no gloves on Uh, i thought that was uh something what do you know him him making a catch with no gloves but the small hands should have been a tell honestly honestly he should have just shown uh he should have just shown all the nfl scouts like when they like if i had small hands could i caught this in the clutch. So one of the most iconic plays in recent pit history in pit history. I mean, they were printing shirts. I'm pretty sure they had uh, shirts printed down in the strip district by the time we got out of the stadium for that one. What was your guys reaction to this? Take me back to where you were in this moment. I had a couple thought processes. The first was, holy shit, that just happened. That was sweet. And then after about 30 seconds, I was like, oh, my God, Kesman, you better make this extra point. And then the the announcers were quick to point out that he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn that day. And then my third was, oh, my God, there is still so much time left for UCF and all they need is a field goal. I think it's very slept on. Yeah, I was just repeating, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I couldn't believe it. This was this is not the type of play that Pitt fans get. This this was supposed to crash and burn and break our hearts and send us home miserable. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll find the video, but there's a good video of us in the student section just losing our minds, like falling over the seats. Um, I I was that that's like one of those moments you live for as a sports fan. That's why we follow sports. That's why we talk about pit once a week, like moments like this. So, so for me personally, at this point, um, the entire party had joined me in this living room. There are 40 people like lining the couch and lining the back wall, watching me watch this final drive. And this was not like a sport watching crowd. Uh, This was a, um, nose ring magic crystal astrology crowd. So it was like they were watching an animal in a cage. And when 
Kenny caught that ball and came down the end zone, I ran around the house screaming like a lunatic. I motherfucked my buddy who told me to turn off the game. I was never invited back to that house. Doesn't sound like company you should have been keeping anyway. That's why I moved home. <laughs> this game right here. Mm-hmm. And next play, Kessman splits the uprights. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to. Are we? Do we have anything more to say about the pit special right now? Nothing more can be said. It's going to live on forever on strip district T-shirts in highlight reels. And in our hearts. Amen. So Kessman splits the uprights. The team literally mobs him. Like, let's go. (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) mean. Honestly, yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, how how much of this was sarcastic? Like, thank, finally. Good shit, dickhead. Yeah. Um, But, Squid, you're right. This was a little slept on. I think I forgot how much time was left. When they scored 56 seconds, which in your head, you're like, ah, 56 seconds length of the field. They only needed a field goal. And I mean, we we had watched the previous four quarters of, or three and a half, almost four quarters of this game at this point. It just felt like a Gabe Davis go route ready to ready to happen. But what actually happened? So first play. Sack by no other, none other than Deslin Alexander. Then second down, second and 13. We got an incomplete pass. Third and 13 sacked by Jalen Twyman. And then the finish it out and the game. Dylan Gabriel passed to Gabe Davis. And I think there was a couple laterals in there. And then Dane Jackson with authority just drills Greg McCray. Uh, stadium goes nuts. Dane Jackson leads the sprint over to the student section and Pitt escapes with a win. A game that they were once up 21 nothing, then trailed by 10. They win by one, beat the number 15 team in the country and the, the reigning national champions. Had them all the way. Yeah, what a, that was probably the most, I like what you said. I'm going to steal your word. That was the most authoritative uh, defensive one-minute drill I've ever seen. Just absolutely snuffed them out. One of the best I've ever seen. Completely erased two quarters of objective incompetence. Yeah, the the defense came out with a with a plan in mind, and. I think this is one of those situations where the Narduzzi defense, that this is the perks of the Narduzzi defense, is they're attacking, they're attacking. You might get beat by deep balls for the entirety of the game, but you're going to have drives like this where they just absolutely pummel and just put the offensive line, quarterback, running backs through absolute hell for four plays. And that's what they did. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable win. Unbelievable day on the North Shore. But we're not done yet. We have some awards to give out for this game. Mm-hmm. Fellas, get them out. Get all the awards. The uh, I don't know. What can we call our, our award on this show? We didn't think of this. The Sunnies? The, the Suns? The, the Sunnies? Here's our awards for the loyal first ever Loyal Suns Rewind. Um, anyone want to kick us off? 
Yeah, I, I got us on this one. Um, the most stark reminder of the state of pit football in 2019. Bit of a mouthful, but uh, there were there were more than a few to choose from. Uh, so I actually had nominees. Uh, I'll read them off and then we can vote. Or you guys just tell me what wins. Uh, the first one, nominee number one, we started one and two. Ouch. Uh, Valik Carter dropping a slant on third and six with no one around him on a play in which he could have walked in from the 25. Dylan, you alluded to it earlier. It was a general overall theme of this could have just been Kenny getting no help because number three is the most dog shit running back rotation imaginable. Yeah, I think so. All three of those are good ones, but I, I think it's the running back rotation. I think that was like, we had a position group, an important position group in a position group that has been very good in the history of the pit football program. Mm-hmm. And it was just abysmal for like a two and a half year span. Do you want, do you want a fun stat? Pitt I ran the ball. Stats. The fact that we had a running back problem is clearly evidenced by the fact that we ran the ball 37 times that day. And uh, 19 of them were by non running backs 12 to Pickett, two to patty one to mo french and four to Valique carter yeah yeah i think this is what we can call the kenny got no help era so i'm all for giving that the award for the most stark reminder of the state of pit football the era of pit football that it was in whatever your title was we all got the point yeah yeah, yeah. Kenny ran the ball super well. Shocker. Even accounting even accounting for uh he got sacked once. He had 12 carries, 61 yards, five yards of pop. What's no, our I'm next award? Sh- pretty shocked by that. Squid, you wanna you wanna take this one? I think the next award that we can hand out is the Vleek Carter Award. This award goes to the player whose career was most defined by this one game as we all know <laughs> Carter had an amazing breakout game against Duke he had another pretty good game against Duke other than that not much essentially irrelevant yeah I think there's an easy nominee for this one if you guys want to nominate more you can but Aaron Matthews it's the Aaron Matthews game yeah he has the hat trick of plays the the hurdle the block punt and then obviously tossing the pit special Aaron Matthews was like a four-year guy for Pitt and never he I think he he caught one touchdown in his career. It was the uh through one two. The throw the two. throwback. Well, yeah, technically not two. He had an assist on a touchdown pass against Syracuse. He had the throwback. He caught the throwback from uh Kenny against Syracuse. So that was his one career receiving touchdown. But I'll tell you what Aaron Matthews was. He was a program guy, he was a special team stud. He was the best blocking receiver we've had of the Narduzzi. He was like he was like Heinz Ward if Heinz Ward also wasn't like an a thousand yard receiver every year. That that's what he was. Um I'll, I doesn't sound very nice, but Aaron Matthews was <laughs> He was Heinz Ward, but minus the receiving talent. Correct. Yeah. 
That's if what you're he a smart defensive coordinator, you would know it was a run play because Aaron Matthews was on the field. But he manhandled cornerbacks like all the time. Like James Connors, big touchdown against Clemson, the biggest one. He's just like abusing a cornerback in the like literally Michael Orr blindsiding him like out of the frame. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's the easy. That's a very easy choice for the Blake Carter Award. Dylan, do you have one? So, this is a pretty general one. I think I don't know if we'll all be on the same page here. I, j- I was just going to say the most pit thing to happen in this game. Um, could probably point to a lot of things, but I was just going to say the fact that they found themselves down ten in a game that they were once up twenty-one to nothing. Yeah, that's standard issue. That about does it. My nominee was jumping off sides on a play where your cornerback gets beat deep and hurt. And that is <laughs> that that makes it a 24 to 0 run for the opposition. <laughs> Shit, Squid, I think you won. That's a good one. I was also gonna just say the pit in my stomach when Alex Kessman was lining up for an extra point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Squid, you win. Yeah, you win. All right, got another one for you guys. Um, We talked about how hot Deuce's seat probably was going into this game. Uh, Called whatever the opposite of a master class is against Penn State the week before. Um, So these are the top fire Deuce moments. We have allowing A.J. Davis to run three consecutive wildcat draws while trying to protect a lead that's stiff competition already um we have jason pinnock's sprinting off the field in the red zone to avoid a 12-man penalty leaving gabriel davis completely uncovered for a touchdown uh he was the only guy on that entire half of the field booked it off to avoid the penalty nobody got over and gabriel davis just looked around like what okay and just like walked into the end zone turned around and found the ball um and and that comes down to coaching uh and another one that probably felt like it came down to coaching in the moment um and this is the moment where everybody was probably just screaming fire dues even if he had nothing to do with it uh that kick return for a touchdown to put UCF ahead probably had some people talking some shit in the stands. Yeah, at that moment, I think everyone realized we're going to lose this game. Screw you, Narduzzi. But I think the imagery of Jason Pinnock running off the field and Gabe Davis just walking in for an easy touchdown is like the epitome of what this defense was at times. So that's my vote. Agreed. Two to one, I would have voted for the A.J. Davis Wildcat, but... That was probably Whipple, though. That, that allow, was that, allowing that to happen. That was the top fire Whipple moment. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if Whipple called it the first time. Narduzzi needed to march over to him. I, I don't remember if he was in the booth at that point. It needs to be on the mic saying, "You stop it! You stop it right now!" For it to happen three times is unconscionable. David, give us your. Uh... 
Kenny Crystal Ball moment of the game. Ah, yes, yes. So this is this is a happy one. Um, I call this the Kenny Crystal Ball Award because it's moments that, in hindsight, you watch it and you were like, you're like, yeah, of course, Kenny Pickett was meant to be a star. Uh, and we have a couple good ones, of course. Um, so there's a, there's a third and long in the first quarter where uh, the pocket completely collapsed on him and not just like guys bum rushing him up the middle, but there were dudes circling around. So he had to both climb, like drop back, climb in the pocket and then eke out to the right. He's rolling to the right, twists his body, throws a missile across his body to the left hash and uh, I think it was Nakia Griffith Stewart. He caught him right in the chest for a first down. And it was just a thing of beauty. And it was so reminiscent of the entire 2021 season of every good moment he's had in his rookie season. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Um, then of course, getting his shit rocked and coming back in to lead a game winning drive. Very Kenny Pickett. And then of course, just, a general gutsy game winner. We saw it all season as a rookie. This was one of the earliest examples I can remember of, of just a, a ballsy leadership filled three minute drill. Milk the clock, get down to the end zone. Last second strike. The best part about Kenny Pickett three minute drills was he was like playing with a handicap. Like, like you knew he was going to have like a dr- two dropped first down. So he was like, if he needed six first downs <laughs> to score a touchdown, he actually needed like eight. So I think that's a, that's a fair winner of the Kenny crystal ball award. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those game when he drives, whatever it takes, he was running, he was throwing, he was scrambling. He was catching passes. That's what he did. Yeah, Kenny threw for first down, ran for first down, caught a touchdown on that drive. How many players have done that? Elias Sports Bureau. Get them on the you horn. Guys, you guys got any more? Um, Squid, you got anything in terms of awards? I know we touched on this a little bit, but the What Happened to Him Award, I think this would be a fun one to do moving forward. There are a couple of people we talked about earlier. I think Dontavious, Butler, Jenkins is uh my pick but there were a lot of like oh yeah that guy wendell davis that's one will uh, Gregg, will Gregg, jazzy stalker jay-z stalker was uh <laughs> on that he was celebrating that block punt for a touchdown um I, I figure we can wrap up with what age the best and what age the worst um basically what we were thinking at that point in time versus what we think now. So um, first one, and I think this was the very clear one was we were correct all along that Kenny's receivers slash skill position players were failing him. It was not his fault. Um, Exhibit a, we've already talked about this. Blake Carter's drop over the middle. No one within 10 yards should have been a walk in touchdown and said, Kenny has to trot out for a second or third and 10, whatever it was. And then the Nikia Griffin Stewart pass earlier in the game. Yeah, I think what age the best? Easily Kenny Pickett. We were right all along. We were, I don't think anybody thought he'd be as 
good as he was, it blew the expectations out of the water. Uh, sneaky number two, I'm I kind of hate saying this, but Mark Whipple, look at what he become. We've come so so far from the screen passes and. Well, I actually had so Mark Whipple's a good pick for him agent. My thought on my hatred towards Mark Whipple was actually what what aged the worst because at that point in time, these are both I, fair. I had uh, completely written him off and figured we would never do anything with him as the OC. And what do you know? Kenny Pickett finished third in the Heisman voting two years later with him. Yeah, as the, the first OC. games of the year we scored uh, fourteen, twenty, and. 13, 10. 10, 10. Yeah. So the offense did not look good and everyone was down on Mark Whipple, but look where he ended up. Another one that aged well is I feel like this was the start of like the man that, that Chuck Partridge defensive line might be onto something. Mm-hmm. I think 2019 was the start of our run of just rotating guys over and, and over and having, you know, the highest sack totals in college football. Well, if you remember Rashad Weaver got hurt in camp towards ACL in camp, and he mm. was supposed to be the stud defensive lineman. He was the stud DN. And it was like, actually Charlie Partridge just has a stable of like absolute monsters in the bullpen, ready to go, ready to unleash. Haba, John Morgan, Deslin, Pat Jones. It's so the worst. You said, your hatred for Mark Whipple, David, did you have one? Oh, things that age poorly. Mm-hmm. I'll let you think. Mine, yeah, yeah. Mine is the pit special play itself. You might remember we tried running this play several years later in Miami, and it just went horribly, horribly wrong. So. I Every think. football team on the planet had this in the playbook for about 18 months. Um, I think it's it's run its course. After that one successful pit special, Mark Whipple should have just crumpled should have crumpled up the paper in the playbook. He should have ripped it out and framed it in his office and left it there and never called it again. I think I might have the same answer as you, Squid, because my intramural team in college ran it to win a championship and it wasn't because like oh we caught him off guard like everybody saw the quarterback you know do the little shovel pass or or and start to squeak out uh was the version we ran it and immediately followed him and some kid had the presence of mind to just like oh well i'm just gonna run a wheel route to the other side of the field and he was wide open and we won um so yeah a lot of people kept trying the philly special for years after everybody knew what was happening. It was a huge deal when Pitt did it. There were probably only a couple other teams that did this after the Eagles, so it was still pretty fresh. You could still catch people off guard. I think after Pitt did it, it was like a big deal. It's like Pitt beats UCF, ends their historic win streak. It was like a top play for days. And after that, it's like, all right, you're not going to fool an outside linebacker on the quarterback walking up to the line, doing the whole fake thing again. Yeah. I think the the funny part, I mean, sure. The quarterback might be, uh, you know, needing to go make some calls to his offensive lineman, but I mean, it was a home game. I'm sure Kenny Pickett could have just gave one of these like quiet down Panther pit and got his call off. But, uh, yeah, 
doing that in home games, home situations, probably a little, little harder to pull off nowadays. My second what age the worst was, I guess you could say my hatred towards Alex Kessman. I was mean to him this game and he ended up just hitting probably like six fifty yarders the remainder of the season. Another thing that aged poorly was my thought that uh Pat Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi's defense just was never going to work at Pitt. Oh, how wrong I was. Look where we are now. Look where we are. ACC championship, two ranked seasons later. We've got a, some bad boys on that defense. All right, well, this has been a lot of fun, fellas. Uh, anything else before we send off the, the very first Loyal Sons Rewind. Any thoughts you have on your chest that you didn't get off in the in the midst of this? I took a lot of notes. Some quick ones I had was I hated all the short passes. Pickett was a warrior. Pickett still wasn't wearing gloves. And AJ Davis was so slow. I I just want to acknowledge uh as we often do, um, and as our guest last week, Salim Brightwell tipped his hat towards uh, Pitt pays for these wins that we talk about five years later with embarrassing losses like to Virginia and Penn State with very narrow wins against dog shit opponents like FCS Delaware and that year's Ohio University squad. That, that, was, that was the give and take we had forever. You charge the super weapon with awful losses and ugly wins. And we were rewarded with the spectacles that we got that day in September on Heinz field. And I I think that we're finally getting to the point where we can just win games without paying with our souls. But you know, that era, I hope, I, I hope and pray we've turned the corner. I think this year will be the deciding factor in that. But uh, th- there are some real fond memories from the, the pre-COVID Pit Panthers. That there was. That there was. And uh, something tells me that that won't ever go away, David. Pitt's been Pit for a very long time. But we can hope. We can pray. But that's it. We'll put a bow on the very first ever Loyal Sons Rewind. Good job, guys. Let's do it that again. Was fun. Homefield Apparel has just dropped a hot new collection of vintage pit gear, and you can add it all to your game day wardrobe for 20% off using promo code LOYALSUNS20. We have been massive fans of Homefield's elite college sports apparel uh, since well before we started the show, so we are over the moon to partner with them to keep pit fans comfy, cozy, and stylish. This discount code applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Mississippi, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're a Pitt fan or a loser freak, a first-time customer or a regular, use promo code LOYALSUNS20 at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next pit apparel order.
Before we get to final thoughts presented by Guerrero Law, uh, guys, I want to I want to hear a little bit about your week. Tell me the best and worst thing that happened to you this week. Slam balls back, and I got sick. The best thing that happened to me was finishing work yesterday and knowing that I was off work for the next 10 days. And the worst thing was that uh, my wallet ripped. Tough squash. Yeah, very sad about that. For me, I, I might have fallen ass backwards into like a huge sale at work, which would be cool. Um, but also, I found out that renovating a closet is like nine grand. So the universe gives and takes. Uh, life is full of highs and lows. Regular, everyday life uh, can be full of ups and downs. Um, you know, maybe you had the best day of your life, but maybe you were cruising down Bigelow and got into an accident. And, uh, you know, maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fair, fairly, or maybe some other, you know, legal firms won't take your case. Uh, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need help, call our guy, Guido Guerrera at Guerrera Law. He will help you turn your losses into big old wins. Uh, go to GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. You can also call 412-229-7757. Our boy Guido will get you right. He is licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio, located in Pittsburgh. Proud pit man, sponsor of the Loyal Sons Golf Outing. And uh, yeah, give our boy a call if you ever have uh, one of those low days that lacks a high um so with that your final thoughts my final thought is part of the ad read but uh slam ball's back you guys know what slam ball is do you remember slam ball basketball on a trampoline right yeah well it's debuting on espn if you're listening to this now uh it's already debuted as of friday night and it's electric. It still is. I'm actually watching it right now as we're recording. Um, listen to the interview that the co-founder did with Ryan Rosillo on his podcast this week. And probably the funniest thing from it was, th- so they're to revamp this, they like went out to recruit like former college football and basketball players. And he, he was like, I we're thinking we have to go to them with this pitch. You know, it started in a warehouse, this, that. And, and like the guys, were, all of them were just like, all right, stop talking. We want to play slam ball. We've been trying to play slam ball since we were little kids and we never knew where we could play it. We will play. <laughs> I think and every I was... neighborhood needs a slam ball court. Yes. We all played a version of it growing up. Everybody had the kid in the neighborhood who had a trampoline. You'd pull a hoop up to it and then somebody would break a leg inevitably. Like chip their entire top row of teeth off the rim. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Squid. Uh, my final thought is that the national senior games have wrapped up. They were in Pittsburgh for the last 16 days, 10,000 athletes over the age of 50, 20 sports all around Pittsburgh. Uh, the company I work for was involved in putting it on and it was like very neat 
funny and interesting to see. I don't know how these people do what they do, but watching like a 93 year old play basketball highlight of my month, there's teams of these people that are so old, but they still move around like well enough. Very impressive. Very fun to watch. I was watching a 92 year old woman do the hammer throw. (laughs) It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. How far did she throw it? Um, I don't know, like 10 feet. (laughs) 92. Most aren't alive at 92. Exactly. How was the, uh, the golf portion of it? Oh, yeah, I told two of you. They had to change the rules because there was one woman that played so poorly. So the National Senior Games is like no joke. Like You have to do a qualifying state tournament. It's like the Olympics, but the United States only. So each state has its own qualifying tournament for whatever sport it is. And for the most of them, it's like you finish in the top three or whatever. You can go to the national games wherever they're being held. For golf, there was uh, some woman who... She was in a state where there were fewer people trying out than there were qualifying spots, so she automatically made it. Shows up to a Montour Country Club and cards a 192. Oh, oh man. So moving forward, if any of you out there are looking to qualify for the, the next games in two years, you have to achieve a certain score. Or else you're just not allowed to just go. What what is it? I don't know. It didn't exist until now. So she Did start with a one. The... Kind of like Kenny Pickett. She rewrote the rule book. Mm-hmm. Wow, the Kenny Pickett of old people. But don't let that one participant fool you. These people are very impressive. I always like the the like seniors playing three on three basketball. It's kind of a yeah. Work. There was a team of guys that used to play for the Spurs. I, there are no names that I recognize. Like the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, like the San Antonio Spurs. There are former NBA players doing this, and I'm more than sure they did pretty well. But a lot of pump fakes and made mid-range jumpers. Bounce passes. Mm-hmm. Jerry West would dominate that. Uh, my final thought is... Uh, We might finally get some NIL legislation. There was a bipartisan group of senators, um, and and that is a word that you don't hear a lot. 
anymore. A bipartisan group of senators uh, are trying to introduce a bill that would standardize NIL on the federal level. Um, and I haven't looked into it a bunch, but everything I've heard is it would be like pretty good for schools like Pitt. Um, Cause I, I think there are a lot of States with big football programs that have basically made it easier for them to use money to win football games. Um, well, well, we might talk about it more if it becomes more of a thing. I just love to see that something is being done to allow a little bit of parity in college football. And also, I think there's a caveat in it that if you something like if you go to the NFL draft, if you declare to the draft and you don't get drafted, um, you can come back to college. And I can think of a couple pit guys that really would have benefited from that. Yeah, I think it gives you like seven days after the draft uh, would allow you to come back to school if you go undrafted. So I think that's I don't know all the details, but we'll be interesting to see where it goes. I don't know how much legislation has been introduced for NIL, but very clearly something there needs to be. So this wild, wild west stuff can't go on forever. There will have to be some type of rules in place unless there aren't. In which case there won't be. Can I make a rule right now? Please. Can I have a second final thought? It'll be really quick. Yes. Uh, our old friend, Jordan Addison, got pulled over doing 140 miles an hour in uh, How did we Minneapolis. Um, the funny thing about Jordan Addison is uh, he only went to USC. Lane Kiffin told him that speeding was okay. And I actually don't remember him going to Pitt. But Lincoln Riley? Starts... What did I say? Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, but it's fine. Oh, he probably didn't say. All I know is he wasn't learning how to drive a Lambo 140 around windy-ass 376. You can't even get a Lambo insured in Pittsburgh. That He learned that on the I-5 or whatever the hell goes from L.A. to San Francisco. That is, Those are... Those are Southern California bad habits he picked up. But if he receives for like 1,300 yards, I will say he went to pit again. The The Jordan Addison clock, the, the hand is pointing at USC right now. Mm. We will flip it when he does something good. Agreed. Well, fellas, this was fun. Hopefully, do some more rewinds in the future. Hopefully, uh, well, I guess after this episode, we will have already done the golf outing. So, um, drive everywhere around or slightly above the speed limit, not 80 miles per hour over. But uh, you guys have a great weekend. And everyone listening, thanks for listening. And as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.